शिला गुरुदेव की जाए श्रीमान महाप्रभु की जाए श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जाए श्री श्री निताय सचिनंदन निताय 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 सचिनंदन गौर हरि की जाए श्री राधा गोपाल गोविंद राजू की जाए गौर भक्त वृंद की जाए गौर प्रेमानंद हरि गो Pranam to all of you. Good morning. Thank you so much for for coming. <clears throat> and uh, today we are switching to another topic. These days we have been sharing some questions and answers, and different topics have been asked about. And we have to we try to share some some ideas. So today the idea is to speak about the concept of. Chastity for the proper disciple. Hopefully, it's not too much of a scary title. <laughs> but actually, the title comes from uh, certain words that have been shared at certain point by Shila Bhaktivedanta Dev Goswami Maharaj. And the background for speaking about this is because some days back, Mohini was uh, suggesting some possibilities of what to speak about these days, and, and one of the points was. Uh, here she was asking, which was my favorite quote by Srila Siddhar Maharaj, or favorite section, talk, or whatever, in the context of, uh, in our particular Sangha, both Srila Prabhupada and Srila Siddhar Maharaj are kind of our spiritual, uh, how do you say? Grandfathers. 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 Mm. So it's interesting and important to, of course, <clears throat> become acquainted with with our legacy. And even though if someone like Sheila Siddhar Maharaj is not officially someone, someone else's grandfather, if you will, in terms of uh, institution, institutional connection, if you will, or certain mission, and, and at the same time, he nonetheless is a very crucial figure, I will say, for for all the Vaishnava community, Srila Prabhupada himself considers Srila Siddhar Maharaj his, his, his Siksha Guru. So that speaks for itself, I will say. And, and his own Guru, Srila Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, also. He says so many nice things about Srila Siddhar Maharaj. Like, uh, I can leave this world at any moment. I know there is someone who will know how to represent my teachings, my, my ideal, and so on. So he, and he was deeply appreciated by all his. God brothers, God sisters, considered like a natural uh, representative of, of their Gurudev. So in this way, he's a very particular, uh, as my Guru Maharaj will say, Shilasir Maharaj represents the very figure of Siksha Guru. All that Siksha Guru speaks about, this type of uh, guide, but at the same time friend, Someone like you can trust in, like will really nourish your faith beyond uh, whatever affiliation you are with. I mean, he will go to to the active principle, Shraddha, if you will. The, the, the idea for us is that Shraddha is to be our deity. So whatever the Shraddha is, whatever faith each one of us, each one of you have, that's to be honored, that's to be worshipped, that's to be nourished. Hmm. 
somehow or other. So Srila Siddhar Maharaj was really expert in this, in trying to to nourish each one's faith, hmm? no matter which background this person was coming from and so on. I mean, that's totally a, a secondary affair. The, the primary affair is Shraddha is there and it is to be nourished. Hmm? So what's the necessary vitamin you particularly need in this particular stage for your particular type of Shraddha? Let's provide that. Hmm? So in this way he was like a, a well-wisher to the whole Vaishnava community. And that's why also he he received such a name. When he received the, the order of Sanyas by Srila Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta, he was named Bhakti Rakshat. Bhakti Rakshat means guardian of devotion. He himself was described by his followers, the guardian of devotion. So someone who will stand there and protect, protect the integrity of the ideal and make sure that whoever wants to to cross through through the door, if you will, of bhakti, will do it in in proper terms, with proper understanding. So they can re- they will really attain all the different successive steps in the ladder that are waiting for them. So, and this today's topic, interestingly, also will be is somehow a preface to what we were speaking today in the mm, evening. I don't know which time we are speaking, but evening, yeah, afternoon. Yeah, evening. So we'll, we'll be speaking about Guru Tattva. So here, today's topic is connected to to the disciple. So to speak about one thing is to speak about the other thing. You cannot speak about Guru without speaking about the disciple because a Guru without a disciple is no Guru. A disciple without Guru is no disciple. <laughs> a teacher without student, how much of a teacher he can be, she can be. And a student without a teacher, how much of a student one can be. So... The two of them are like interdependent. And the two of them ultimately uh, speak about one another. It's, it's, it's the same person from different perspectives because a real student, a real disciple, will naturally be guru. Whether he or she is giving diksha or not. I mean, to be guru is not limited to initiation. If you are a proper disciple, you are guru. You are, you are an agent a representative of that divine agency. And if you are guru, you have to be disciple. I mean, <laughs> the real guru will be the, the best disciple. So in one sense, guru and disciples, at one point, the two notions kind of merge one one another and, and basically show two sides of, of the same coin. That was the idea that came recently. You know? To be a, a guru means basically to remain a student, but from a different seat. Mm-hmm. No? <laughs> Uh, you are changing the seat in the classroom, <laughs> but you're still a student. Srila so Sinamaras himself, that's one of the favorite quotes, and my Guru Maharaj likes to invoke this idea constantly. He will say, we are students forever. In this school, at least, in this school in particular called Gaudiya Sampradaya, we are to be students forever. There's not a point that we will claim, no longer student, now Fully a teacher. <laughs> no. Full teacher, no, but not fully a teacher. <laughs> a real teacher will one ever claim. <clears throat> I've known it all. And today Celestia Marash will speak about this. So yeah, I consider this will be a nice trailer to what we were sharing later today. A nice compliment for 
today's today uh, today's today basically today Friday will a day dedicated for Guru Tattva and Shishya Tattva. No, Shishya means disciple. So the truth about Guru, the truth about disciple. Hmm. So this is this section. Mm, this is not something written by Srila Siddhar Maharaj. <coughs> Since Srila Siddhar Maharaj hardly wrote anything, he wrote, of course, Prem Dhamma, Deva Stotram, and some other poetries in Sanskrit, very refined ones, to Bhaktivinotakur, to songs for his Guru Maharaj, Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta. But most of the things we know from him are uh, transcribed discourses he, he gave. Of course, you read them and you feel, oh, he wrote this. No, he had this capacity of speaking as as if he were writing, which is not that easy. <laughs> but actually, he was speaking. He was not sitting and thinking what to put and how to. No, he was just flowing in, in revelation. So this is an excerpt of of, of bigger uh, transcription of an of this point of chastity for the proper disciple this was published in, in the website harmonist website some time back there is a bigger version of it again but here is an abridged how say abridged yeah, version so I, I prefer to share that one so as not to go that long but if someone would like to to go to the full meal if you will <laughs> which is quite considerably longer you can let me know later and we can share the that transcription with you. So I will be reading this. Generally, I, I do not used to read too much during lectures, but it's also good to, to read for sure <laughs> and to comment on some of the things that Srila Siddhamaras is mentioning here. So basically what we will have here is his reply to the question of one student that is asking him what's the meaning of chastity for a proper disciple. Again, the, the idea of proper disciple may sound like redundant. Like when sometimes we hear the word Sadguru. The other day someone asked me, Maharaj, what's the difference between Guru and Sadguru? So I say, ideally, there should be no difference. <laughs> <laughs> because Sadguru means like bona, bona fide, you use this word? So bona fide Guru, and Guru means Guru. But the Guru should be bona fide. <laughs> so, but sometimes we have to Unfortunately, clarify that because in the name of guruship, if you will, some non-bona fide stuff is going on. So sometimes you have to make sadguru. But to say asadguru is kind of an oxymoron because as a guru cannot be a sad, but follow my idea. So the same with sisya. I mean, in the same way as real guru is sad, is bona fide, real sisya will be sad as well. I won't say this is a cheating disciple. So he's not a disciple at all. But sometimes we have to make this terminological clarification or something. And of course, Silasya Maras also will <coughs> will explore the notion of chastity as as he understands it. Because again, the the, the term may carry some generational cultural baggage and we may hear the word chastity and I don't know our mind the mind of some may go to the Christian chastity belt or who knows what <laughs> or some like just I don't know institutional adherence or being loyal in a sense of fundamentalism and so on and we will see of course that this is not the the notion that Silas Sirmaras has in mind when speaking about chastity but he mostly will go to the idea of 
of purity. <clears throat> My Guru Maharaj, sometimes he likes to make the, a difference between the two, in the sense of generally we understand chastity as something that we, and he gives this example of the chastity belts, no? like you, you have heard about that? So like you somehow, not repress yourself, but it's something not so natural, yet it's not flowing through you, so you need to control in a little bit more forced way certain things because of lack of purity. <laughs> no, but when purity is there, there is no need for those like measures, measures you say, right? No? But we will see that sometimes the idea of chastity can, as we will see, Celeste Marsh will have another idea in mind. Ultimately, he will speak about layers of that. So, <clears throat> so and a student is asking Silasir Maharaj, what's chastity for a proper disciple? Hmm? So that one word is contextualizing the other. What's chastity for a proper disciple? Hmm? So he begins saying, I won't read all in a row. I will go just by, by parts. And this is one of my favorite things. Again, it's difficult to say. Only this is my favorite. This is like when sometimes, I don't know, the devotees ask you, What's your favorite place of Parikram in Vrindavan? I mean, you're putting me in anxiety, basically. <laughs> <laughs> or what's your favorite Gaudiya book? It's like, I mean, what's your favorite Kirtan? It's like, <laughs> where to begin? No? It's so common. For, for, fortunately, fortunately, we, we are in that type of healthy anxiety. <laughs> so similarly here, this is one of, of, of many things. There are quotes, phrases, but this is a nice uh, piece of... Advice, as we all say. So here he starts his reply saying, with the first line, Srasimhas has this style. Huh? I mean, with the first line, he already like, we, we should close the session and just try to, to ruminate <laughs> on that for three lifetimes, basically. <laughs> but let's see. So, <laughs> so what's chastity for a proper disciple? So Srasimhas begins, the first line says, chastity is faithfulness to the cause for which we have come. We can stop there. <laughs> <laughs> or, or in other words, again, he's sharing what's our ideal of chastity or his ideal with, we should make ours as his followers. So chastity is faithfulness to the cause for which we have come. So he's not speaking in terms of, again, uh, relative uh, affiliation, institutional loyalty. He's not also promoting anarchy, you know, and saying kick out all form. He's not like that. We will we'll know that. Of course, he's taking us to to the substantial understanding of everything. But of course, in, in the context of that form, has a purpose, but only as much as it facilitates the pursuit of mm -hmm. inner substance, because form without inner substance is basically an obstacle, entanglement. So we have come for a cause. We have come for an ideal, basically. An ideal has come to us, I will say, to begin with. It's not that we someday, at least not in my case, that one day I woke up and said, okay, from now on I will pursue the ideal of Sriman Mahaprabhu. I didn't have a clue who was Sriman Mahaprabhu, but Sriman Mahaprabhu knocked on my door in the form of his bhaktas, and the ideal came to me, <laughs> And then I, I was charmed by that and said, okay, I, I want to pursue this idea. But the idea, I pursued myself first. No? So that's also an important point to begin with. I always remember Thomas Merton saying this, this nice thing. He says, when you are praying, 
we can apply that to our chanting, it's not that, that you are taking the initiative. Initiative? Like, I'm calling Krishna. I'm going first to him and, and hopefully he replies. No, it's not like this. He himself first came. And then we are trying to, to return the, the embrace he has thrown to us, if you will. So it's important to, to engage in our practice with this idea, and not so much, oh, I'm doing all this, who knows if something will come from the other side. If you are doing that, it's because something came from the other side first to begin with. <laughs> because if not, you will not have even a clue about what what we are doing for whom. So no. we have come for, an, for a cause. We have joined a cause, a mission, as we spoke the other day in Finland. No. When we speak about the mission, the mission of Mahaprabhu, the mission of Srila Prabhupada, the mission of our Gurudev, the mission. We, we should bear in mind this notion, what's a mission? Because most generally our mind goes, mission is the building, if you will, the, the legal name and institution. And, and there is one, that's one aspect of the mission for sure. But that's a, the, 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 not the, the, the spirit of, the, there is a spirit to the mission as well. Like, like when you say, I have a mission in my life. You are not speaking about bricks and walls and buildings. I have a mission. I have an ideal. I have a cause. And in order to pursue that mission, a mission may be formed in, in the more institutional sense, like what Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta did. Okay, let's establish Godiamat, no? like a mission. But behind that mission, there is another mission. If you will. There is the ideal, there is the pursuit of, of the cause, the ultimate cause. And if sometimes, let's say, the external mission gets in the way of the internal mission, we should know which to, to choose, if you will, in that case. And he himself said that when he established his Bhagbasar Gaudiyamat in Kolkata, this incredible mar marble temple, that was part of his gross, if you will, mission, the, form, the external form of the mission, to facilitate the pursuit of the internal mission, but some devotees were starting to, to quarrel against each other about the different rooms in the math. I will want, I want to sleep in that that bed. I want that corner for me. <laughs> All these type of entanglements that sometimes come with these type of things. And he got so much frustrated, if you will. And he said, I mean, this was not the idea of making a marble temple for you to get attached to the marble, to the walls, to the bricks. It was to, to, to take the the attention of people, oh, marble temple, something fancy may be happening there, let's go. And there we, <laughs> we give the real thing to them. Like a preaching strategy. <laughs> so, and he said, you are getting, you are misunderstanding the mission. The external form of the mission is getting in the way of your understanding of the internal form of the mission. So, I will sell all the marble. I will sell all this construction and will print books and try to spread the inner mission, the message, the, the, to carry the, the torch of the mission. If the external thing gets in the way, once Sula Prabhupada says something similar, he said to Achyutananda, my Guru Mahesh calls this, when they were like, how do you call it? The, the, the legal the papers for, yeah, for ISKCON, back in the, in the 60s, so at one point he said, of course, so many legal things had to be written there and this has to be done like this and this is like this and all this bureaucratic language has to be used and filling those forms. <laughs> but Prabhupada at one point said, but the, 
the essence of all these rules and regulations and things that we are writing here is ISCON should be uh, conducted on the basis of love and trust. That's the essential part of the whole contract, if you will. So we are making so much effort and sacrifice to create this on the basis of love and trust, but it's at some point all this institution we are creating, he said, that is to facilitate love and trust, at some point institutional concerns get in the way of love and trust. The same effort we have put to construct this, we have to put to dissolve this, if it gets in the way of love and trust. Like implying all the thing I'm making is for all of us, all of you, to relate in the context of love and trust in Krishna consciousness. If that mission, if that cause is forgotten for the sake of who knows what, then that's not like fulfilling its purpose. So we should recalculate, like the GPS says, no? Recalculating. <laughs> when you go into the wrong, recalculating, no? It's on this side, not in this side. <clears throat> so this was happening with Chila Siddhar Maharaj. You read one line and lost and found. No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so he's saying this: no chastity is faithfulness or, 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 or loyalty mm, to the cause for which we have come. In other words, again, the cause came to us first, knock on our door, we moved our heart, we felt ourselves identified, called in that direction. The sadhus, we felt. We saw ourselves inside that cause, if you will. When we hear the message of the Vaishnavas, we, we saw ourselves in our fullest potential there. Oh, what they are speaking to me is who I, I always thought I should be and how everything should be. They are presenting this ideal prospect. So you, we joined the cause <clears throat> with some initial, ideally with some initial like inspiration and desire for dedicating ourselves to the cause so and in other words what he's starting to imply here and hopefully we get to <laughs> the rest he's saying we joined this mission with one ideal in mind no? like and generally in the beginning we are pretty idealistic no? and it's okay that's necessary <laughs> so the he what he's implying i will see he will unfold this is please do not lose that ide ideal as, as your journey progresses no? and do not get again distracted by other things that will appear on the way but all of them will appear for you to further embrace the ideal not to further dis dilute your embrace mm -hmm. so let your initial faithfulness and chastity not only remain in time but get stronger and stronger and stronger that's how the the abhishar should be conducted mm -hmm. Abhisar means like, how to translate that in English? Like love journey. For example, when Krishna plays his flute and Sri Radha is somewhere else, she hears the flute and she just like leaves everything behind and runs behind the sound of the flute without any consideration. So the journey from where she is to till to the, where he is, that distance that she's like treading is called the Abhisar, like the love journey. The call has been made, the cause came to our door, it's calling us, the flute call, and we are. So the, similarly, the jiva is on an, an abhisar, all of us are on an abhisar, love journey. The call, the, the flute has sounded, and we are, 
Uh, but on the on the path of that, and the point is that no, when Shirad is running after the flute, so many things are on the way. Sometimes it's night; <coughs> she she's leaving home. It's entering the forest. There are serpents there. It's raining. So many obstacles, if you will. But for her, <coughs> all these obstacles act as udipana, or like stimulants, no? to increase her longing to reach her beloved. It's not like oh, I'm getting discouraged. So many obstacles. No, all the, she's feeding herself on the obstacles. She's nourishing her, her, her pursuit on the obstacles. That's the example given the Prema Samput. When the lion meets an elephant, the, le- the elephant wants to attack the, the lion. So, oh, it's an obstacle. But the lion fights with the elephant, kills the elephant, and feeds on, on the elephant. So the obstacle ends up being a nourisher. <laughs> So similarly, whatever obstacles comes in our path are to nourish our inspiration, not to discourage at any point. You see the Goswamis. They want to join Mahaprabhu. Sanatana Goswami went into jail. Raghunadas Goswami was in, in the jail of his home because their parents didn't allow, allow him to join Mahaprabhu. Gopal Bhatta wants to join Mahaprabhu Say, take care of your parents, still not wait a little bit. So all that so-called obstacle only we're throwing further and further fuel to the fire of their longing. So that's how it works. So that's the point that Shilat Siramaras is trying to, with only the first line, <laughs> trying to give us. No? We have come for a cause. Do not forget that, ever. So many things will happen in your life. So many things, in many directions. So many tests will come. And we need those tests to come. Because if there are no tests, you cannot still prove where you are standing at. This, the tests help you to locate yourself, to see where I am up the, on the map. Hmm? So we should even pray for tests to come. Not because we are masochists or something, because the tests are, are not suffering. I mean, I know that all, if tests are coming, those tests will show me where I am standing. And I don't want to fool myself, to cheat myself, thinking that I am somewhere where I am not. So I need those circumstances that will show me, you are here. <laughs> and you say on that day that you want to be here. Still you want to go there? You are here. <laughs> you want to go there? You are here. And it's okay. We need to establish these two things, as my Guru Maharaj will say. Where we want to go, where we are. And what's the Abhishar? In between the love journey, the, the thread, no? and the two are equally important. So it's easy about it. It may be relatively easy to speak about where we want to go, where we want to go, but where we are. Sometimes that may be a little bit more painful because it's like, oh, I don't. To fully acknowledge where we are with all the, I mean, actually where we are is totally glorious. No? That's the point. But sometimes we forgot that glorious side of the blessing that has knocked on our door and just only over-identify with our whatever, shadow, relative side, I'm there. <laughs> but at the same time, so much has come yet. So there, there should be no shame or guilt or problem in acknowledging where we are. Because no matter even how far we may be from our ultimate goal, as Vishnu Yanswami has said, the, 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 the distance you have walked to 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 reach the feet of your Gurudev and the Vaishnav is much long, much larger 
then the distance you have to thread from where you are till the ultimate goal. So no matter how long that it seems, if you already walk like this, let's say, and you have to thread this, I mean, you can do it. You know? And this will be on with taken by the hand of the sadhus. You know? So that's a really <laughs> upgraded, maximized journey. So let's continue. <laughs> Just it is faithfulness to the cause for which we have come. Chastity is a relative term. Chastity in the absolute sense is unchangeable adherence to the absolute. So now he starts to unpack his notion of chastity. Like in play, many people understand different things for chastity. I acknowledge that, he says. But for us, for me, he says, Silas is in the absolute sense, that it, again, we may not be in the absolute platform, but it's good to have that as a reference point. What the... What's the ultimate version of chastity? And he says here, no? unchangeable adherence to the absolute. Like unwavering, you say in English? Yeah. Unwavering fixity on that. So that's Nishta to begin with, if you will. Nishta has a lot to do with this notion of chastity here. Because Nishta, sometimes we imagine that is the term described as fixity or determination. Like uninterrupted engagement in bhakti and, and we sometimes may feel just that person is ex externally doing so many things that are bhakti legally speaking <laughs> but as we spoke yesterday it's not enough to do those things that are bhakti or that please Krishna but to do them with the proper inner focus, attention so Sometimes we may, how to say, like engage in a multitasking sadhana, if you will, <laughs> over engage. He's chanting so many rounds and doing this, and but the point is, what's the inner motivation? What's the inner spirit? How much we are fixed in the proper meditation while doing those things we are doing? That's totally important. So nishta has to do mostly with that, not so much with being only fixed. Every day I chant my rounds, every day I follow this, every, which is great, I'm not criticizing that. <laughs> but to speak about nishta in a substantial way, or chastity in a substantial way, has to do also to do, not only I'm doing these things every day, but I'm fixed on my goal and on the proper attitude towards the goal. And that accompanies and really gives life to whatever I'm doing on the outside. Because if not, that that can be niyamagraha, what Rupa Goswami calls niyamagraha, which means you engage in bhakti, but without the proper understanding, without the proper uh, motivation, properly, probably. And externally, you are doing all these things. You are super engaged, if you will, maybe over over engaged, <laughs> but without the proper inner spirit, inner approach. So Rupa Goswami will say. That type of practice is actually goes against your bhakti. bhakti mm binashati, -hmm. he says. If you want to ruin your bhakti, he says, I will give you sixfold advice, he says in the Sambhita. <laughs> of course nobody hopefully wants to ruin your their bhakti, but he also and as a way of saying these six things will destroy your bhakti. One of them, Nyamagraha. Which has two twofold meaning of course, no? like being whimsical and not following any rule or regulation 
or following all rules, regulation, and do everything legally, <laughs> but without grasping its essence, with losing sight of the mission. Again, following the external mission, losing sight of the internal mission. Following the external practice principles, losing sight of the internal principles. In time, all this put together and multiplied in time, that will give us a result, bhakti binashyati. Destroy this destruction of bhakti. So that's that's something to consider, <laughs> and that's why nishta is the op the opposite of that for sure of the destruction of bhakti. So fixed bhakti, nourished bhakti, stable bhakti. Because what we are doing, we are doing with a very clear mm, ideal in mind, and we are to nourish that ideal. Mm. So chastity, in the absolute sense, unchangeable adherence to the absolute. Mm -hmm. There also may be relative chastity, such as when someone sincerely pursues his interest in a particular plane, separate from the Absolute. Mm -hmm. So you, can, you may be sincere even on that other plane, but that's a relative form of chastity. <clears throat> However, that type of sincerity is not complete. We think sincerity is only complete when one comes to accept the Supreme Absolute. So we are not condemning other forms of chastity or sincerity, but there is a ultimate form of all that. Because sometimes we may say, oh, I'm sincere. If you are sincere, that's okay. Yeah, but what's sincerity also? There are so many layers and degrees. And where this virtues, sincerity, chastity, and so on, find their ultimate place of shelter and rest at the feet of the Absolute. So we think sincerity, oh, I read that, sorry. Uh, other forms of chastity are relative. Not, no knowledge separate from Krishna consciousness is chaste. Hmm. Hmm. So, in other words, if you take the center out of the picture, strictly speaking, we cannot speak in terms of chastity. Because chastity has to do with reality, with adherence to reality. So if somehow you do away with the with the center of reality, how much of of just how much chastity can you speak about? Of and within Krishna consciousness, also we shall not think that by beginning, by getting the touch of Krishna consciousness, we have acquired the whole thing. So that becomes his his real point here. You know? First, he's speaking about. Okay, non-Krishna conscious chastity or sincerity, and then, okay, in the realm of bhakti, Krishna consciousness, we have chastity, but there are degrees of that also. It's not that, oh, I'm already a devotee, I'm chaste, I'm loyal, I'm sincere. He's saying, do not think that you got a touch of that, a glimpse of that, that's the whole thing. Do not think that you have already grasped everything and swallowed the whole meal, if you will. There's so much to digest and ruminate on. So never be so bold as to declare, I have it completely. No? I mean, that will be a scandal for the sages if, if they hear you saying that. No? Go, oh my God, what do we have to hear now? <laughs> we don't want to put the sages in, in anxiety. So. <laughs> when we get the pure conception of Krishna consciousness, the hazy 
conceptions will vanish. In other words, there are degrees of layered conceptions, even of Krishna consciousness. We may have a, a more hazy conception, if we will, in the beginning, a more like generic, abstract. And, and it's okay, there's something, we have to begin somewhere. The real thing has come, but with how much capacity do we have of dealing with that real thing? It's not that what it has come is hazy in itself. We are the hazy ones. No? So the real thing come, but we are somehow digesting that through our hazy filter. So it's coming, but it's in coming in certain installments. So the, the point that Srila Simras wants to make here is please never think I have already swallowed the whole thing and this is it. I know what Krishna consciousness is about. Then you got stuck, as we say yesterday. As we attain different stages of realization in pure Krishna consciousness, to that degree we become more and more chaste. Chastity means our adherence to the truth the truth that we have come to realize. That truth is in Krishna Consciousness. Krishna Consciousness is not a limited thing that one can capture in his hand and swallow. It is of infinite character. There is a gradation and there is a room for progress in Krishna Consciousness. So we see Shlesermas really is trying to throw us into the direction of a Madhyam mentality. To begin with, no, like this nuanced perception of gradations and room for progress, and room for infinite progress, because if Krishna consciousness is infinite, and we are to progress in Krishna consciousness, how you progress in something in relation to something that is infinite <coughs> basically means mm, there's room for infinite progress, which at the same time may take you to the situation that <laughs> Try to try to play out the implications of this. Sila Samras one will say, and I like his quote also very much, it's not from here, he say, if you dare to approach the infinite, which is in itself a very courageous project, <laughs> if you dare to do so, try be prepared for that. Do, are you aware of which are the implications? The implications are that you will always feel there's no limit for progress. There's no limit to how much progress I can make. So in other words, I mean you will never be you will never be able to say, I made it. <laughs> because there is so much room for infinite progress that you yourself will find always in a situation where but not like a bad thing. But the point is that requires deep humility among other things. Because you were, that's why you will always feel yourself a student, because the prospect is no limit to progress. So you will never think, already made it, I'm just about to swallow the whole thing, I'm this, I'm that, and in front of you you have like an unlimited ocean of progress. <laughs> but there should be no problem with that, that's the point. Like when you are in front of the ocean, it's so unlimited, there's no beginning, no end, and you are like this <laughs> in front of that. But it feels nice to be in front of the ocean. It's not like, oh, this ocean, I don't like this ocean. It has something against me. It's attacking my self-esteem or something. Nothing like that. But that's the, the price to pay. We're, 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 we're walking into the infinite. I mean, the closer you get to the infinite, the smaller you will feel. Because the infinite means infinite. Of course, 
means infinite affection at the same time. So it's not that you will feel yourself dejected or discouraged, but but there will be a considerable realization of your smallness <laughs> in, in front of such a prospect. But again, it's, there's infinite affection also, so it should be okay. <clears throat> so there is gradation and there is room for progress in Krishna consciousness. I mean, again, there is room for infinite progress. So what to speak now? And there will be room for eternal infinite progress. So we as sadhakas now in this stage, we should be willing to progress. Because if I'm not willing to progress now, what to speak of entering the realm of eternal progress? That won't happen. <laughs> So we have to understand all the things. When we say, I want to go to Golok Vrindavan, <laughs> no, how do you subtitle that, translate that? I want to enter the realm of eternal progress. And if I want to enter there, I should be willing to make progress here and now. Because if I'm not willing to make progress now, actually what I'm saying is, I don't want to go there. <laughs> and to make progress, as we spoke the other day, means to change. Because... I mean, I cannot say, I want to make progress, but I don't want to change. That's like, try to agree with yourself first. I mean, making progress means you have to change. That creates the, the progressive development. And we know sometimes we are not so willing to change. We are afraid of change, of being changed. But that's what love is about. If you love someone, means that person I love will transform me will make me some someone else in one sense again in in, in, a, in a good sense but sometimes we are afraid of, of changing of being something else of being transformed because just as we say the other day sometimes because we are afraid we have terror to those things that are unknown to us so generally we run quickly to our comfort zone and remain there <sighs> such a relief Ah, I'm, I'm safe, I'm safe. I mean, known, not unknown land, but known land. There is one book about Prabhupada, no? So I'm in a strange land or something. Strange, yeah. mm -hmm. no? So try to understand this point. I mean, for Srila Prabhupada, coming here was not like remaining in his comfort zone, if you will. <laughs> All the things. I mean, that's a real journey of getting out of the comfort zone. Hmm? In the context of, of love, what was the result of the entering into the unknown? I mean, literally for him was taking a spaceship and going to another planet, basically. Mm -hmm. Landing in New York. I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> well, he sent this famous letter to, to I think, to, to Narayan Maras or someone else. He said, here in New York, <laughs> he was saying this idea, of, at night all the, all the buildings keep their lights on. No, because the whole city was awoke, awake, actually, you know, but, I mean, they're, what's going on? And they're driving, they, 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 they drive their own car, they have their own car, no? And they themselves drive, drive their own car, because at that time in India, only if you were wealthy, you have your own car, and if you have your own car being wealthy, someone else was driving that. So probably that they have their own car, and they themselves are driving that, like, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> So my point is, he was not afraid of the unknown. He really entered into that. Abhai. He was Abhai. Abhai means no fear. You have this quote in this world, no, no fear. <laughs> That's what Krishna says in the Gita also, no? don't fear. 
Masuchaha. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't fear. That's the flute call of Krishna's we spoke before, no? This verse, Sarva Dharma Parityaja Mami Kanshara maybe the most well known verse of the Gita with Krishna saying, again, abandon everything and join me, basically, as, as, as it began. Join the cause. No? The flute call is calling, come to me. No considerations in between. No fear. Don't fear. No? So, Srila Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta will say, this verse is the f- f- flute call of Krishna. He like baptized the verses. Krishna's flute call. And my Guru Marshall used to say sometimes, when I joined my Guru Maharaj's mission, he said, I joined the mission in that spirit, in the spirit of this verse. Sarva Dharma Parit. I will, I will, I never thought I will live here. I joined here forever with that spirit because I heard the flute call calling me in that direction. But some time after, some things happen in the way, <laughs> and I stopped hearing the flute call in that direction, and the flute call was somewhere else. So I say, well, I never thought that I will have to go somewhere else, but the flute call is sounding there now. <coughs> so I joined the flute call in that direction, thinking I will remain here forever. But after some time, the flute call was calling me in another direction. So I have to follow that. <laughs> like implying of course for some other devotees the flute call will keep sounding in the same place and for others will sound in another place that, that's Krishna's style he will call you and when you are about to reach him where is he now? Where's the, oh the flute but he was playing and I you won't complain to Krishna oh Krishna I have to run so much and sort so many <laughs> obstacles and finally I reach to you and you are telling me like he tells to the gopis what are you doing here? it's too, too late and you are lazy you should return home what's going <laughs> so, so in this way, <coughs> let's continue. Really, uh, we will say that one is chaste due to his own sincere progress, not due to adherence to the figure, the formal conception. Famous line: "Vyasavay know he may not know what his." what is coming through him while revealing the Bhagavad. Such a strong expression is also there. All rights reserved. Krishna consciousness is unlimited, but still there is the possibility of conceiving its purity in its unadulterated form. And the Acharyas are giving that to us. In the beginning, a new student who gains admission to a college cannot expect to lo- know anything and everything. We need to have systematic, properly adjusted knowledge. That's a very favorite notion of Srila Siddhar Maharaj, this idea of proper adjustment. He will define sometimes Krishna consciousness as that. Krishna consciousness is proper adjustment. <laughs> proper adjustment means some constant adjustment. Constant proper adjustment. It's not like I, I join the whole thing. Okay, this is like this, works like this, this, this. Okay, everything is in place. Now go on. No, every single day there has to, you have to oil the machine, if you will, and adjust things according to how progress is taking form, how the flute call is coming to your life, and so on. There are many amongst our group 
who heard Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada's advices and words, but only partly. Partly? Yeah. One day, a senior man and sannyasi repeated something Srila Prabhupada had said, Srila Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta. Although it related to a particular time and place, he wanted to utilize that in a universal way. I gave some objections, saying, Maharaj, our Srila Prabhupada told this, it is true, but this is not the whole thing. He explained other things also, therefore, we have to harmonize. We cannot ignore the other part of his advice. That's a very classical like template or pattern. Gurudev said this, Prabhupada said this, or whoever said this, yes, we are not saying he didn't say, but he also said this, 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 this. So you need to, Sangati, Sangati means reconciliation, how to understand the, the bigger picture. A text out of context <laughs> becomes a pretext, it's a say sometimes. <laughs> so if you pick some, chirp pick something, and present like isolated from its context and from the greater body of statements you may be using that for your own purpose and trying to justify who knows what but, <laughs> but it may not be of universal application so it's important to to know how to deal with with it what what's coming from the charya some of, of his statements may carry some relative implication the guru may be saying something very specific and unique to one particular disciple so you cannot take that and try to establish a universal law for example that that, that may not work mm -hmm. and vice versa the same he may say something that is for everyone you may try to relativize that say no 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 this is only for surrender to krishna no he say he must have said that to to surrender devotee but it's not that everyone has to do that <laughs> So we may relativize the absolute and absolutize the relative. That's the problem. And when we are doing one thing, we are doing the other thing. If I take, if I relativize the absolute, immediately I'm relativizing, as absolutizing the relative. So it can be problematic. Mm -hmm. You have time for two par more paragraphs? Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. Two more paragraphs. I don't know what will come in between, but <laughs> so we finish the the section. It says. <clears throat> so, we have to come into adjustment and systematic understanding of the words of Sri Gurudev. Hmm? Systematic understanding. Hmm? There are gradations in what Guru said. There, are, there is a hierarchy of statements. It's not, of course, everything that comes from Guru and Krishna carries a particular absolute implication. But um, again, these things are to be understood in context and understand not all the things are like for example i remember one devotee say what's the most important thing for sila Prabhupada? no and everyone was saying so many different things <laughs> or thinking what's the most and, and he was sharing compiling so much thing, things things so many things he said he he will say so many different things the most important thing is chanting your rounds the most important thing is book distribution the most important thing is Barn Ashram, the most important thing is taking care of the cows, the most important thing is become pure devote. So the point is, so what's the most important thing? <laughs> and the, the point is that for some devotees at that particular moment, the most important thing may have been this, and for others it will be that. Mm -hmm. So 
in that sense, it's absolute for that particular devotee, its statement. But in the bigger picture, for all of his disciples, we could say the most important thing is develop Prem Bhakti, if you will, become pure. That's for all. And, and ultimately, that may be the long-term goal, <laughs> but that's the most important thing. But in order to reach that most important thing, for you now, this is the most important thing. <laughs> for example, whatever may be the case. So, all the things have to be understood and adjusted. Mm -hmm. The partial aspect may sometimes lay stress on a particular point, and who has attentively cocked that, he might not he might only take that and nothing beyond. But systematic knowledge of the whole must be understood. In a progressive life, the plane where one devotee may want to withdraw from to make further progress may be the goal of attainment for another devotee. So it's under, this point is important. In the progressive life, in, in the in this abyssar of love journey, where every devotee is in a different stage of the ladder, step of the ladder, the goal to attain for some is the place to live for others. As we spoke the other day on about sahaja, no? and one of the varieties of sahajism is, I should be stepping on a new step in the ladder, but maybe I'm insisting not to do so for whatever reasons. No? <laughs> So it's important to to be aware no, that someone wants to attain some place, and someone needs to leave that place. For some someone, certain insect is the goal to attain. For someone, that that same insect is something one has already attained, and therefore one has to not to leave that, but to go to the next chapter. And the point is, there will be different emphasis for that people because if you need to attain this particular goal. Guru may emphasize to you, this is the all in all. <laughs> and will really make that idea, and you will feel, this is the all in all. And it's, it's, it's okay from your particular perspective. But the problem is when you meet someone <laughs> who needs to leave that particular place and go somewhere else, and you will feel, you are relativizing this all in all. I mean, this is the all in all. And for that person, no, this is not the all in all. Why you say that? Gurudev say that uh, to you, <laughs> and, I, and I, yeah, he said that to me five years back also. But, but now he says something. <laughs> so all the things need to be like put in place because if not, we think everyone is on the same level, and and, and that's not reality. That's more a Kanista mentality. Kanista mentality is everyone is a devotee, and yes, uh, I mean all the devotees are devotees, but the Kanista is not really entering into the complexity of, of the love journey, if you will. Not not dealing different stages, different necessities, different emphasis coming from Sri Guru. And it's more like as we say the other simplistic. No. Let's give the, the the simple magical formula and don't bother too much. But it's not like that. No. <laughs> and that's why we find sometimes contradictions, quote unquote, among the statements of Acharyas. Not necessarily because they are contradicting, but because they are saying different things to different people because different necessities. <laughs> and we need to accommodate that because if not, we, we may be simplistic. And being simplistic doesn't resolve contradiction. It's just putting the carpet, the, the, the complexity below the carpet and everything is okay, fine, nice. Let's keep chanting and being happy. But at one point, the carpet will become alive, basically, of so many things you are putting below. 
<laughs> so you need to address what's going on here. <laughs> so, what may be the object of attainment for the Kanista Adhikari, a Madhyama Adhikari may withdraw from in an attempt to climb higher, as in ascending staircase step by step. So this is like, and this will create conflict. This is unavoidable. Bhakti Notaku will say that many times. Like, generally between Kanista and Madhyam, there will be some conflict. So what to do? We have to deal with that. We have to go through that. No, it's not like how we can avoid all that to, totally. You can't. Because that's part of the process. You have to go through that. <laughs> as a Kanista and as a Madhyam. <laughs> Each one from their side. Because again, for, for a Kanista, things are in a certain way and they are absolutizing things in a certain way. And the Madhyam has maybe more nuanced perspective and understands certain things, but, but understands he cannot understand yet this. In the same way, I didn't understand at certain point. So he should be ideally compassionate, patient, and, and somehow trying to accompany that Kanishta, also taking care that this Kanishta is not becoming offensive. Because also that's the danger for me in a Kanishta Dikari, that you make think oh, you are deviated, you are wrong because you are saying something different than what I'm saying, that my what Guru Dev say. So how to navigate that that's not so easy always, hmm? but that's necessary. Under the guidance of one guru, there are so many different sections of disciples. Hmm? All the students may not be equal in their realization. So this sounds simple but I mean, we have to understand the practical implications of that. You have to, you are dealing with people, relationships, and ways of thought, ways of seeing life, of seeing Krishna consciousness, of seeing the Guru. Everyone has the same Guru, but not. it doesn't mean that every disciple sees the Guru in the same way. <laughs> but maybe all of them are, are correct. Maybe not, but let's say many of them who are correct still see their Guru in different way according to the realization. But they are correct according to their realization. So you cannot just say, you are wrong because you are seeing Gurudev differently than my, than me. No, you say, oh, you are correct. For that stage, that's correct. So you have to nourish that. Even though it, it differs from how you <laughs> appreciate your Guru. Maybe in a higher way, if you will, deeper way. But you cannot impose that on the other one because you will disturb that. Oh, that's, that's nuanced. <coughs> So there are different students with different insights. One can understand to a certain extent, one student, another can understand something more. Hmm? You need some water, Mohini? Can you bring some water? It's okay, you, it's too much. <coughs> so, one can understand to a certain extent, another can understand something more, and another can understand even more. Because also, it's not just two types of disciples or something, there's so much variety. <laughs> In this way, there may be gradation. Even the senior disciples, that now comes an important, interesting point that Silasir Maharaj is making. He said, even the senior disciples may fall back, back, and the juniors may go up. I mean, that's not a rule, but it can happen. That is also possible. We have seen, and you can also see now, also, you analyze, study history, the history of our Sampradaya, of others' movements, that happens. Many of the older ones have gone away 
and the newcomers are showing greater energy. You may find that amongst yourself, as we also found among ourselves. In other words, he says, there are no stereotyped rules. It is a living thing. <laughs> because sometimes, we, again, our tendency is trying to capture the thing. And this is like this, and this is how it will work, and this is what will happen. But not necessarily. Ideally, if you do the things, this thing may happen, but so many things will happen in between that that is, are not in your agenda and your plan and you have you know have to know how to deal with that and and that's exciting also again this shouldn't be discouraging oh no oh, I don't like that. <laughs> it's unpredictable in one sense um, but in some way that our faith should not be damaged by that I mean we should have faith in the ideal in the mission but knowing in the context of our love journey so many unpredictable things will will come need to come and, and again, those will be testing our stance. And like Kunti Devi, she was praying, Apunarbhavadarshana. She was praying to Krishna, send me problems. I could take that like, send me challenges. Send me situations that will test my present standing. And by facing those, I will see you. She's making a play of words there with the, with the idea, Darshana. So by, by seeing those obstacles, actually I will see you. If, I, if I'm sincerely established, those tests will take me to you. Because will will take me to take further shelter in you. So I need those things. So this can happen, as Sir mentioned. Some devotees may come, may be very advanced, and for whatever reason, they may fall back or disappear for some time or different possibilities not just one thing that may happen even some devotees in, in, in their practice may walk a little bit backwards not because they are falling but just because the particular situation requires that they go back like when you want like to jump some I don't know some little river and if you are walking you cannot just jump that so you, know, you need to go back take some distance and run and jump so it seems you are going backwards, but it's a backwards forward, if you will. So again, it's not just one model how everything happens. <laughs> some may be falling, will return in this life, in another lifetime. Some may be going backwards, but they are going forward. Some will be always going forward. Some may be always going backwards. <laughs> but again, there's not like fixed rule. This applies to everyone because again, it's a living thing. Love moves. In a crooked way, says Rupa Goswami. Love, he says, moves like a snake in zigzag. It means it's not walking in the straight line, like you can predict. Oh, it's coming here, so I will catch him here because it's going here. So I wait here and it, oh no, we will do like this and you remain here and love will be like who knows where. No. So it's unpredictable. Again, the flute of Krishna is not like, oh, it's sounding there, so let's go there and we will meet him for sure. And when you reach the point, it's, it's there now. <laughs> so that's how love moves. So we want to develop love, we want to enter into, the, into a world of love. That means be ready for unpredictability. You cannot go with your like calculated agenda. Okay, Krishna, here I am in Golok Vrindavan, so everything should be like this now. I mean, <laughs> you will never 
be able to say that to Krishna even no, if you go to that plan. That's calculation and control, and that's Maya. I mean, that's the meaning of Maya. Maya means that thing that can be measured, the tendency to control. But if you want to enter the realm of love, you have to transcend Maya altogether. So that means when we speak about the Absolute, about the sweet, charming will of Krishna, no stereotyped rules. I mean, you cannot just impose your, your plan on Him, but be willing to be carried in whatever direction <laughs> unpredictability wants to take you and and trust again of course if you don't have the necessary faith and chastity all the things i'm saying will be totally like terrifying for you like oh no 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 i will remain in my safe comfort zone everything is safe and controlled and i know how everything happens and okay nobody will in one sense, totally force you out of that, but on some level, yes, circumstances will <laughs> show you you need to, at least gradually, in a user-friendly way, step out of your comfort zone a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, and embrace this unknown, unpredictability, understanding that that's real comfort is waiting me out, me out of the comfort zone. So let's one of my favorite quote, of course, he will use also this idea of home comfort. Like in play, you have the comfort zone, and then you have home comfort, which is outside of the comfort zone. But for us, outside the comfort zone is no comfort. Now he said, no, outside of the comfort zone, you have home. <laughs> you have the comfort of home. But that's not, and that's, of course, ultimately the real comfort. The so-called comfort zone is not too com comfortable, actually, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the last paragraph, with your permission. Form and substance are two different things. And here is the main difficulty in our progress. Mm -hmm. He quotes one verse from the Bhagavad Gita, Sadharami, and so on. Progress means to deal with these difficulties to stick to one's former position and beyond that to make progress, advance. So Silas many times he will describe progress as dealing with the difficulties presented by form and substance. That's a nice way to put it. What's progress? What, what does it mean to progress in bhakti? To deal successfully with all these different challenges that form and substance present in, to you. Like in every single challenge or situation in your life, you have this, if you will, this choice, form or substance, form or substance, formal understanding, substantial understanding, what, what I am embracing, the external shell or the inner principle, if you will. So at every single day and stage in our day and life, this, this choice is being presented to us, to our free will. You, want, you have free will. What does it mean free will? Form or substance. <laughs> we could present it like that no? which, which is my choice I embrace the external aspect of things or the internal consideration mm -hmm. and that means progress mm -hmm. to progress from a lower understanding to a higher understanding from a more substantial idea a gradual way, sustainable way we are not promoting paranoia here or neurosis in the name of progress <laughs> because it's a very no? delicate process. So sometimes, again, it may take time, sometimes we may need to go backwards, as we say, to, mm -hmm. to embrace substance with a proper 
quantum leap that requires some going backwards and jumping and so on. <laughs> and here he mentions something also very nice. He says, if, if advancement is not sure, in a particular given situation, you are not so sure that by doing this I will progress, it is judicious, judicious? judicious. to stick to the former position. Like if I'm not sure if I will jump, I will make it to the other to the other side of the river, if you will. <laughs> Maybe better wait for a minute and remain where you are. No, 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 not like being conformist or complacent, but in some dynamics, you may be not so much in the spirit of let's jump there, but just let's wait for a minute. What's going? What what happened next? And let's see what what direction to take. Hmm? So if advancement is not sure, it is judicious to stick to the former position. If there is any doubt of progress, one should stick to the former position. So if you don't, are not sure by doing this I will progress, then don't do it. Do not just rush and jump in the name of progress if you yourself are not convinced about what you are doing. The idea is whatever step you take in, in these journeys has to be done with faith and conviction. I mean, voluntarily investing your own will there. If not, remain where you are with conviction, and with <laughs> voluntarily choice. Hmm? Do not force yourself into something that you do not trust, if you will. If there is any doubt of progress, one should stick to the former position. But that is not progress, <laughs> like implying. In some circumstances, you can remain there, but do not misunderstand that as progress either. <laughs> you can remain there for a moment, but it's not the place to stay for eternity, because then it, it, that becomes comfort zone and you get stuck there. So at certain moments you may wait for a minute. Like if you are walking and, I don't know, something starts to throw bombs in the street and you will like stay in one place, like let's see what happens next and what to do. But it's not that, oh no, now this situation is my new lifestyle and I will remain here forever. No, that's not. <laughs> that's just a circumstantial pause, if you will. No? So he's saying that is not progress. Progress means to leave the former position and go ahead. But again, sometimes we may need some whew, to take some breath before the next step. Only one who is hopeful of a bright future, and this is one of my favorite quotes of Chalatsir Maharaj, he will say, your future is bright. Your future is brilliant. But again, you have to have faith in that. <laughs> so only one who is hopeful of a bright future should leave the former position and go to advance. And again, we in theory know our future is bright, in theory, and we should be running after that. Again, running after the flute call. But also sometimes, to be honest and realistic in practice, we see ourselves not always running in that direction because we may lose sight of the brightness of our future for whatever reasons. And we may have got distracted and doubt may come, suspicion may come, and as Silas Russell says, suspicion leads to suspension. And at that moment we'll be a little bit like cautious. I can say, okay, there is place for that, but do not take that for progress again. So the more we advance, another, his, another way of uh, expressing spiritual advancement is you, your hope for a bright future will increase more and more. The, your realization of oh, a bright future has come to my life, a bright, call, a brilliant 
ideal and cause is knocking on my door stronger and stronger, <laughs> the more you will be willing to just go there without any consideration. But it's a gradual process till we reach that that level of courage or something up higher and so on. So only one who is hopeful of a bright future should leave the former position and go to advance. Those who are of doubtful mentality, suspicious mentality, <clears throat> it is better for them to stick to their former position where they already have a consolidated foundation. So it's understandable. No? We, we cannot just force people run and jump there, surrender. Sometimes, unfortunately, this has been done. <laughs> like forcing surrender to people that are not convinced. Even the ones who are forcing others are not too much convinced. <laughs> so sometimes we try others to surrender so they convince us that we that that okay this is okay <laughs> or i mean no sometimes one thinks like this okay I, let's preach and convert the whole world and sometimes that the background for that is i'm not sure about what i'm doing but if the whole world ends up doing that there i must be in the right place <laughs> that's not necessarily universal compassion for others it's just your own lack of faith that you need others to confirm you are in the right place <laughs> so sometimes it can take this form you you may try to force others into an unknown land and for them that's a too scary prospect for to take such a, a jump a leap so we shouldn't force that actually we should like you know, encourage people to remain in a situation when they feel there is some consolidated foundation but also do not fool them saying this is all no, just for the moment it's okay for you but at some point progress needs to be, to be made also but if doubt is there suspicion is there you cannot force someone to surrender with doubt and suspicion that won't be surrender even though if externally takes the form of I've given everything or whatever internally the, the doubts will create a much more dysfunctional situation and in time that will be unsustainable totally unsustainable so we don't want that so Srila Simras concludes saying that people, the, the doubtful, the ones with certain doubtful nature in that moment, and he's not condemning them and just analyzing what may happen at some point of our own journey. They should take their stand there. They should like again wait in that consolidated safe place, but not getting overtly attached to that. According to his own progress, such a person cannot but see that some things must be rejected and some things in front must be invited to come near. This is progress. With these principles in place, we can cultivate absolute chastity to our beloved Gurudev, recognizing that that which he represents and therefore recognizing his many manifestations along the progressive course of our spiritual life. Hmm. So, he concludes his reply by saying that with all these things that we have shared in, in place, considering this, we can cultivate this sense of absolute chastity to the South. It's not just, again, like a forcing position, artificial thing, become chaste, surrender by, but understand, accept, go through all these nuances and naturally choose to culture this. He ends up saying this is an interesting thing, and with this, I'm closing. 
In this way, recognizing we will do that recognizing that which he represents, he or she, and therefore recognizing his many manifestations along the progressive course of our spiritual life. So by, by ourselves as satsisya, our proper disciples, in choosing to incorporate all the things, we will appreciate all that Sri Guru represents in our life. And we will in, in time realize Sri Guru is not just what I thought he was or she was, because we have some initial idea of what the Guru and but we should be willing again to update that notion and expand. And I realize, oh, the principle of Sri Guru, which is in itself quite complex, is not only this, this person, this individual, and that's Guru. He mentions his, his many manifestations we have to recognize that will come along our path. So, yeah, we may have one Guru, Diksha Guru, but there are so many Siksha Gurus, for example, and at the same time, our Gurudev will appear in our life, manifesting so many circumstances and situations, and we, we should be able to recognize the principle of Sri Guru, no matter which form it takes. Again, prince form and substance. Like <clears throat> when my Guru Maharaj met Srila Siddhar Maharaj for the first time, and with this I think it's a good closing. Of course, he <clears throat> before before that he was initiated by Srila Prabhupada and, and received Harinam, Diksha, Sanyat from Prabhupada and so on. When Prabhupada passed away, Srila Prabhupada has said to my Guru Maharaj and other devotees, when I'm no longer here, you can take Siksha from my god-brother, B.R. Sridhar Maharaj from Navadvip. So he went there, following what his Gurudev had said, and he he told us that when he heard Srila Sridhar Maharaj, he, he, he was, and he read his books, first of all, and after that he met him personally, he started crying. He, he couldn't stop crying, because he was, and he was recognizing Nobody apart from Prabhupada can turn my mind like like he's doing. So here I'm finding Prabhupada again. Here's my Gurudev. Gurudev didn't go anywhere. No? Here's Guru, principal Guru, Guru principal manifesting in this particular individual, which is another individual entity <laughs> with a different nature and style and so many differences. But at the same time, I'm finding the same... No? principle, the same level of touching my heart. So here it is again. So again, it's the same guru appearing in so many different forms, the same principle approaching us in life. And we should be willing to be honest, sincere enough to to recognize that. It's not only if it comes in this form, with this style, saying these same words. Because I remember Sandy would say, no, we stopped going to Srila Siddhar Maharaj because he was saying some things in a different way as Srila Prabhupada said them. And I say, of course, he won't just be like putting a cassette or tape and repeating the same thing like Prabhupada say. I mean, for that you have Prabhupada. <laughs> so if Prabhupada sends you to someone else, it means he will say something different. It doesn't mean different, contrary, opposite. <laughs> it's just different. I mean, we are different individuals. I mean, it's like, I mean, if I tell you, go and speak with Madhu Mohan and then go and speak with Gokul Chandra, say, they say dif- they are different. Uh, yeah, they are different. Yeah, we are not <laughs> Advaita bodies. Everything is one or something. They are different. So, but you can you have to recognize the the unity behind the diversity. So that's our our philosophy. So anyhow, sorry for the extension, but some some ideas we want to share on the basis of this very beautiful 
Discourse of Srila Siddhar Maharaj regarding chastity for a proper disciple. I have extended already quite a lot, but if there are any questions, maybe briefly we can address. If there is any questions or comments you may like to share, we can go there. Yes? That's like a short question. So it seems to me that... Question may be short. I can't <laughs> guarantee that the answer will... This always happened. Yesterday someone, <laughs> Radha Giridari, commented on Because I always hear this, like, Marash, it's a short question. It's a short question. And, and she's, she put... Generally, what someone says to Maras is a short question. I, I start to sit properly in my chair because I know <laughs> a long answer is coming. <laughs> so you are invoking me, invoking a long answer by saying that, just in case for you to know. <laughs> um, so, as long as uh, everything we do externally uh, doesn't foster our inner growth, we're missing uh, like a huge opportunity, it's, it seems to me. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something about Nishta and uh, Niyamagraha. And I think for, like, for a very long time I had this kind of idea of, of someone who is on the Nishta stage, someone who is serving 24 hours, doing so many things, and, and just being very uh, occupied externally. But it, it's, it seems more to me more as a Niyamagraha, because it, it, it maybe um, unless there's inner base for that, that it can be sustained for, for a long period of, of time. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that all this uh, passing to different stages of sadhana bhakti, it has to be very natural, and first it has to happen internally, and then kind of like overflow on the, to the external world and, and our uh, activities. So is, is, that, is that correct? I understand. I, what I'm trying to say, actually, we, we can't fake going to different stages by doing something externally or pretending that we are somewhere that we are not. Yeah, they are totally correct. It's, it's, uh, it has to happen like organically. Yeah. No? It's not just like copy-paste or of ecstatic symptoms or, or something. I mean, you can make a show, as we said the other day, you can go to a, <clears throat> a dramatic school and learn to cry and, and, and learn to roll on the ground in an artistic way <laughs> whatever but you can convince others even who may be a little bit like innocent or naive but but the higher quarters you won't enter there basically you know because you need for this you need in the words of Celestial Maharaj you need also a visa you don't only need the passport and the visas will will be bestowed by the place you want to go if they do not agree you won't be entered to you won't receive your visa so again, you can make a whole show here and convince many and get the passport as much, maybe who knows how. But the higher quarter, the ones who have really, they are Tattva Darshins or Seers of Truth. The Bhakti Rakshaks, the Guardians, Silas and Rasen, one <laughs> lecture, he says that when he, when he narrates the famous story of how at the end, at the very end of his manifest pastime, Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta asks Silas and Rasen, please chant, sing for me Sri Rupa Manjari Pada this famous hymn of Gaudiya Vaishnavas. And everyone took this idea, this, this invitation, like, oh, Gurmash is not only inviting you to sing this song, but he's giving you entrance into the inner circle of service of Sri Rupa Manjari. No, they, they understood. And Sula Samaras, in his humility, say, no, no, I took that as, he appointed me as a guardian at the gate, Bhakti Rakshak. And he said, and I won't allow anyone and everyone to enter. <laughs> like in playing, uh, there is some 
filtered her and you cannot cheat the the higher uh, realms if you will so yeah all the things have to happen naturally and, and, and we should be very careful of that's something that sometimes happens to devotees and that's a big source of discourage, discouragement that is they kind of over idealize where they should be at now and they kind of wrongly identify uh, like like demand expect this should be happening and they this should be happening has to do with let's I don't know Ruchi and they are in an Arthanibrit and Bhajana Kriya so they are expecting something to happen that corresponds with three stages above and that will never happen at that stage so they get discouraged and they start to think this is not working maybe Bhakti is not effective or I'm totally useless I'm not deriving the real symptoms so I, this is too much for me so whatever the case, you get discouraged and stop practicing altogether. That can't happen, but only because you <laughs> misidentify the symptoms of the particular stage you are, and you are just like expecting something that will come maybe some years after, some lifetimes after, I don't know. So it's important to, 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 to acknowledge where we are, as we spoke today before. <clears throat> with all its implications and with all the needs that needs repair, if you will, in that particular stage also, <laughs> and the particular symptoms of that stage, which some of them may be even embarrassing, but at the same time they are glorious. It's a glorious embarrassment. <laughs> For example, Vishwanath uh, Chakrabarti Thakur, I always say that in his uh, Madhurya Kadambini, he depicts Anishtita Bhajana Kriya, which is the stage prior to Nishta. So Nishta sounds glorious and beautiful. Mahaprabhu is saying, Kirtaniya, Sadahari, Trinada, Pisunich, all this has to do with Nishta. Oh, no, the, the grass will speak to me and will teach me humility and the, and, the, and the trees will teach me tolerance and I will, will give respect to all. But again, that won't happen as magic. No, it's not like you have never tried that any, ever and suddenly someone brings you the certificate. Like you're in Nishta and you start to see everything like this not like this <laughs> you are gradually entering there by applying yourself in your sadhana in that context it's not that I'm not trying to be as humble as a blade of grass as tolerant as a tree but suddenly I reach Nista now everything is in place and everyone is my guru I'm totally humble it's not like that <laughs> so you start trying that and it, at the beginning you will be failing in that for sure on some level but that's how you are trying and learning and growing and, and so on. So Vishwanath Chakravartitagur says, this Anishtita stage before Nishta is characterized by Utsamayi, Ganatarala, Niyama, Akshama, Tarangarangini. I won't enter into the details, but one, one, each one of these six stages are more embarrassing than the previous one. <laughs> but at the same time, they are glorious because all of them are have taking place in the context of Bhakti. So it's not totally like embarrassing. Yeah, you have some naive initial enthusiasm. Like when you begin anything, you are like, ah. but just because you are beginning anything. My first class of sitar. Ah. But after second class, it's, oh, it's, oh, my fingers are start to pain. It's getting difficult. And one may feel some like discouragement. Oh, this is too difficult. It's not for me. But the first class, maybe the teacher say, let's learn today Saragama Padani. And you learn them, and you say, oh, it's not so difficult. I know how to, what, what this is about. 
But you don't have a clue, this is just... <laughs> but we need that also. So again, there will become all these struggles and the mind and the desires, indecision, gana tarala, and whatever. Incapacity to sustain one's vows or even tarangarangini, the tendency to enjoy the material byproducts that come from bhakti, followers, knowledge, and you get distracted by that. And again, it's embarrassing, but <laughs> but it, interestingly, Vishwanath Chakravartakur is saying, but that has to happen. On, on one level or another, that's part of Anishtita Bhajana Kriya. It's still Bhajana Kriya. It's still part of Bhakti. It's not the goal, the ultimate goal to attain, but that's part of Bhakti. So, somehow, it has to be embraced. It has to be integrated into higher synthesis. So, the point is, do not escape from that. Do not be in denial of that. Do not feel guilt or shame because of that and force yourself to be Bhava Bhakta, totally transcendental, where you are not there and you have to deal with that first. So, yeah, as much as one has that integrity, all the different stages will really unfold in a natural way. And again, it may take time. It's not just magic that in, in some years it's already there. It may take lifetimes. No problem. Someone once, once one about Ashila Maharaj, if I, in this lifetime, I've started my life of bhajan and I take the whole, the, the thing really seriously, how much time will it take for me to reach Golok? And Silmar said, like, he thought for a moment, no? said, mm, three li- two, three lifetimes? And the devotee was shocked. Like, three lifetimes? <laughs> like, it's too much. And Sri Samaras was even more shocked. (laughs) Too much to like that? (laughs) (laughs) Brahmanda Brahmiti Kona You have been wandering from life without beginning, and and, 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 and now in two, three lifetimes you can reach such a high goal, and you're asking me this too much. This is nothing. (laughs) Nothing. The more you. I mean, the more you. (laughs) The more you realize the depth and the glory of the goal, I mean the more you realize I'm not paying enough. The more you realize how big is what it wants to give to give itself to you, you the more you realize I'm ashamed for having paying so little for this. So you will never think three lifetimes is so much. I mean you will say I'm ashamed of having paid so much. No, you will the point is the more you appreciate the nature of the goal, the more you will be willing to to pay. And still, you will feel it's not. I'm not paying too much. I mean, still, hmm. there's this famous pastime. Can I narrate that with this? I close the <laughs> famous one, and I also just like to share that this mentioned in the Chaitanya Bhagavat. Once Mukunda, one of the associates of Mahaprabhu, maybe you know that one, but no problem. 108 times we have to repeat that. He was chastised by Mahaprabhu. In one moment, because he was associating in certain parts that Mahaprabhu didn't consider proper, so he chastised Mahaprabhu. Mukunda was one of Mahaprabhu's close associates and singers, and so on. He was seeing him on a daily basis. So you try to imagine what does it mean to meet Mahaprabhu every single day. No? <laughs> so Mahaprabhu chastised him, and which was the chastisement? Mukunda cannot see me anymore. No more darshan. No more daily darshan. He wanted to make, make a point. We will see. No? He behaved like very angry externally, but he wanted to teach something as, as, as the story unfolds. 
But you can imagine how Mukunda was totally devastated by the news. Because, again, what does it mean to see Mahaprabhu, really see Mahaprabhu in every single sense of the term, and then after, what does it mean after seeing him, stop seeing him? Try to, to, to imagine that contrast. What does it mean to see God and then stop seeing God? What will happen to you after that? After seeing, because now we are not seeing him. Um, but we continue our life somehow. <laughs> but what does it mean to see him and then stop seeing him again? Oh, you are thrown into a pool of distress, basically. Separation and so on. So this happened to Mukunda. He was totally devastated and dying in separation of Sri Chaitanya Dev. So his associates, Mahaprabhu's associates, took pity on him, you say like this. So they would try to intervene and, and facilitate the meeting of them again. But they saw that Mahaprabhu was really determining this, that Mukunda. I don't want to see him. <laughs> so, and they want to see Mahaprabhu was not seeing Mukunda on a daily basis. So the devotees were going and seeing Mukunda on a daily basis somehow to... to to, to keep him alive, basically, as an extended delegation of Mahaprabhu himself being there somehow. Mahaprabhu was going to, toward them, towards the devotees. And Mukunda was crying and crying, and the only question he had in mind is when or when that day will be mine? Again, Kabi Havi, <laughs> when, when he will cross the path of my eyes, Nayana Patagami Bhavatume, or whatever. So at one point they say he said that to the devotees, can you ask one question to our Prabhu? And they say, yes, for sure. I have only one question. And the only question is when I will see him again, when he will give me his darshan again. I mean, that's the only reason for me to to remain alive, to, to hear that answer, basically. So the devotees were really like moved and they went to Mahaprabhu and said, we have gone to visit Mukunda. Mahaprabhu really strongly, what does he want? And we're like, <laughs> what? He asked where you will give him your darshan again. And Mahaprabhu said, in a million lifetimes. Looking like in another direction, million lifetimes. Mm. Next topic. So the words were like, like a thunderbolt <laughs> entering because they were thinking, now we will have to go and give that news to Mukunda. And we will be the one kill the ones killing him <laughs> because i mean he's he's just surviving for that darshan if, if we say a million lifetime we will be guilty of killing him eventually <laughs> and we don't want to kill him so they were going back because they knew mukund is waiting for that so they were asking themselves you kill him you kill him like implying you tell him you tell him, i don't want to kill him <laughs> so they they finally arrived there and and mukund is asking so, have you asked him? And he, again, remember, crying and thrown on the ground and just totally emaciated, devastated, waiting for that answer. And his pran just sustained by that little breath there. So, so what to say? Yes, he, we asked and he replied. So, what did he say? <laughs> Someone, basically, courageous one, took the word and said, he said in a million lifetimes. They didn't want to cheat him also. He said in a million lifetimes you will see him again. So, to the surprise of everyone, Mukunda starts to jump and cry and, and celebrate and, de and sing and dance in ecstasy. So all the bots were like totally 
what's going on? I mean, he should be dying now. <laughs> uh, maybe he hear he has some problem in his ears, and he didn't hear. He maybe hear one million nanoseconds or something. <laughs> so again, they went to Mukunda. Say, Mukunda, one million lifetimes. It's not that they want to kill him, but they want just to be sure he understood the proper idea. Say, one million lifetimes. And Mukunda say, yeah, yes. I hear, I hear properly. And he continues celebrating. So they say, why are you celebrating? One million, you know, what, what's one million lifetimes? You try to count. <laughs> and he say, I mean, at least I already have the confirmation that I will see him again. So what's one million lifetimes of waiting for having such a darshan back in my life? It's nothing. I mean, if that's the price for such a darshan, waiting one million lifetimes, I'm still ashamed of paying so little, basically, he said. No? So the devotees were like, oh. he continued, like, Jai, Gorhari, Jai, Sachinanda. So they returned. Mahaprabhu was waiting to see which was Mukunda's reaction. <laughs> so they returned to Mahaprabhu. So he said, have you gone to Mukunda yet? What did he say? No? So they narrated how he reacted to the whole thing. He starts telling Mahaprabhu said, bring him immediately. Mm-hmm. Million lifetimes is already passed. <laughs> Remember, Krishna is time personified. So if time personified wants to make one million lifetime over in a second. <laughs> so so that, that's the, the teaching of the history. He never said, one million lifetime, that's too much. <laughs> no, he said, oh, that's, I'm still ashamed of paying so little. I, I mean, I have to celebrate. I already have the confirmation that will happen. And we received that same confirmation in such a generous way, two, three lifetimes, if you are serious, that that will happen. So, I mean, while we wait, we are not waiting, we are celebrating our waiting, if you will, <laughs> by, by embracing the process, which in itself, <clears throat> in itself is, is relishable. That's what Silas Yamara said. I mean, we, 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 actually the process in itself is relishable, so you, you don't have to rush into going somewhere else. I mean, you are already there. When you really act like that, you are already there because bhakti is the means and bhakti is the goal. Like once someone asked my Guru Maharaj, when I will be free from this world? When you stop asking that question, he said. <laughs> when you are so immersed in bhakti that mukti is no, con- no longer a concern for you, you are beyond even mukti. That's how it works. To reach the spiritual world is not just geographical movement, it's a state of consciousness, being there. And, and, and we start being there in the here and now, getting closer to that. So, Anyhow, some ideas. If there are any questions, I think we can stop here because I've already spoken quite a lot, but we can continue speaking these days. So, thank you so much all of you for your time, patience, Srila Gurudev ki jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Sri Sri Satnitai Chant, Chinandan Gaur Hari ki jai, Sri Raghupal Gopindaram ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Praman Dari